We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The home of the Red Sox. 93.7 WEEI-FM and HD1. Lawrence, Boston. Brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Search and browse more privately. Download the free DuckDuckGo app today. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. Totally different topic. The talk of the golf world is this book excerpt that came out uh, about Phil Mickelson. I'm curious what the your reaction, what the reaction in there was when you read about it. Um, I mean, at least he can bet on the Ryder Cup this year because he won't be a part of it, so. <laughs> All right, this is the Ken and Curtis show, and, you know, it's a, we'll get to that quote in one second from uh, Rory ripping Phil Mickelson, but uh, just want you all to know that the Ford Clubhouse Fenway Studio is brought to you by your New England Ford dealers and their Discover Summer Sales event with a large inventory in stock. Now is the best time to trade in, trade up, and discover your best summer ever with Ford. Uh, Rory McIlroy discussing Phil Mickelson. A book came out where uh, the writer, I forget his name, but he had had a... Uh, Armin Katayan was one of the writers of the book, a guy that did a great job on the, uh, was it the Patriots book Katayan did with uh, Benedict? Where was that book? Of, or was that the Tiger Woods book? I don't remember. I read a book about Armin Katayan recently. Very good. He used to be, he did the, Armin Katayan did the famous post-Spygate sit-down with Bill Belichick yes. for uh, 60 minutes. Yeah, he used to do sideline interviews for CBS. He, he and Bill had a good relationship. So, um, really, oh, that was just, that wasn't a random that did no, the uh, Spygate so. interview? I don't think so. Uh, that's Andy Hart in for Ken Laird, who is uh, having his own Spygate. Uh, he's actually on the lookout for Dorito Dink somewhere, so he's trying to take down Brady one day at a time. But the uh, the big news of the week was Phil Mickelson losing $100 million, gambling a billion dollars, and allegedly trying to, to gamble against himself in the Ryder Cup. Uh, Greg and I uh, disagreed about this yesterday. I, I hate Phil Mickelson. I always have. It's just a personal vendetta. I was a Tiger guy. He's always struck me as kind of a douche canoe. Um, Courtney created that that line that line uh, that line, but um, I I just find also the Rory disdain to be laughable. I mean, Rory hated the that these guys left for a lot of money, and then they all looked like idiots when the PGA Tour got in business with the live. But the bigger picture today that I would like to do instead of going back and forth on how much money exactly Phil Mickelson lost. If you've ever talked to a fisherman or a gambler, they're not exactly honest. Yeah. Um, also, if you are a uh, an addict. Uh, something I know a little bit about. You're never honest. The, the, the definition of an, of an addict is that you get to a point with a substance that you no longer are able to do in a socially acceptable way, so you do it by yourself. You hide, you lie to protect whatever it is. So no matter what an addict says, I always, as someone who's there, been there, done that, they're being dishonest. That's the sort of the way this whole thing works. But the bigger picture for me is... Sports betting is overnight acceptable. I mean, for years, college game day wouldn't even show, you know, BC minus three against Georgia Tech on its scroll at ESPN. Now it owns ESPN bet in a big deal this week with Penn stock. 
Every network, every city, every state basically has has legalized it. This radio station has profited from it. It's everywhere. Are we really thinking that these types of issues, whether or not Phil Mickelson bet against himself in the Ryder Cup, are not going to keep coming up? I mean, you're not the only place you're not allowed to bet is within an NFL facility on an NFL game. We've already had like 15 people suspended for it. I I just, I don't know. This is not going to end well in certain cases from my perspective. So the, I think they were always right, and you talked about it. Like they, the, the gambling posters, like the second you walk into a locker room or a facility, they knew it had to be black and white, right? Because if you created the gray, oh, my God, you were opening Pandora's box, and that's what we live in now. And I am interested in the money. I, I'll be honest with you. Like I immediately you see Phil Mickelson supposedly lost $100 million, which means, what do you, double it, triple right. it? I mean, exactly. whatever that number is. Right. Makes me wonder about Michael Jordan, the other oh. all-time great gambler. What has he gambled and what has he lost? Because if Phil Mickelson's a billion, give me $2 billion for Jordan. Well, I mean, give me, why did, why, I mean, Michael Jordan did a unbelievable move. I think he bought his stake in Charlotte's NBA team for $200 million and sold it for a couple billion. Yeah. But whenever I see Michael Jordan selling something, the first thing that jumps to my mind is, what is he having to pay off? Who is he right. going to? Like, Michael Jordan doesn't strike me as a guy that wants to leave a stage. He is still as competitive as ever in everything that he does, and that's what made him great. But, right, I, I, the, the, the Mickelson, people said, well, Greg said yesterday that he was a great gambler, and that's why he did these things. You're, you're, nobody's a great gambler. Nobody. I mean, that's why Vegas is Vegas. That's why the Mandalay Bay and Caesars Palace and all these places are built with in like diamond chandeliers. Wait, he so Greg's argument is that a man bet a billion dollars, lost a hundred million, and is a great gambler? Yeah. He, we were going back and forth about the So total. what's a bad gambler? Loses two hundred million? I don't know. I, I think Greg's point is why does it matter to me or you that Phil Mickelson is gambling all this? Oh, money? I agree on that. Because we wouldn't bat an eyelash if Phil Mickelson put a billion dollars into real estate and only got nine hundred million return, right? Exactly. So gambling is looked at differently. Totally. Like, even though it's all the, the stock market is gambling. Well, Real what, estate is gambling. We had Kino, but we said right. gambling was illegal here. Venture I mean, capital is the ultimate form of gambling. Right. All of these smart men, the crafts, the hen like they put money into different projects, knowing I'm going to invest in a hundred of them. One of them's going to hit. Hopefully that one that hits becomes Twitter or Netflix or whatever. You're you're gambling away the rest of the money, right? right? So it's the same thing. That's what these people do in various legal and illegal acts. Right. The issue with with this is that the reason why they say you don't get in business with people that are shady is because they will not be able to be relied upon. Mm -hmm. And the further you get down a rabbit hole of gambling, whether it's with the the point shaving stuff at BC or you know, whether it's these uh, Calvin Ridley or whomever else. The second you get into a position, Tim Donaghy, where you're out money or you, you need to rely, you need to get out of a hole. You are going to do things and find information that will damage the integrity or at least the betting integrity of certain events. Mm -hmm. And Phil Mickelson has had the ability because of his ability as a golfer and his fame worldwide through the live tour to get out of a bunch of holes by getting a lot of money, either through endorsements or through the Saudi, you know, kingdom fund or whatever. What if it's the third round pick for the Raiders who is, you know, betting a bunch on college football and then he's down, you know, 200 grand and his, his wife is like, 
we're going to miss our payment for the mortgage. What are you doing? How are you doing this? Well, well, I could tell them that uh, Derek Carr, no, he's not. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be out three weeks. He's not going to be back there, and I'm going to get you know some money for for giving that information to people that can make money off of it. So now, let me ask you a question as an addict. Is because I I think the fears of gambling spiraling out of control. Most people believe are less through legalized gambling, through an app, through you just pull out your phone, right? But do you think, is there a chance that legalized gambling is a gateway to greater gambling? Yeah, I mean, so I I try to, I, I don't know that world as well as what I will say is what gambling and the people I've talked to that have had an issue with it, it's the impulsive nature and the ease with which you can just try and double. It's double or nothing, double or nothing, right. double or nothing. And then it's nothing, 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 nothing. And with the app, at least here, I, I appreciate that it's just checking accounts in Massachusetts. Like you can't bet credit cards. Credit cards. <laughs> right. So in that regard, I think it's a little bit safer because you're not, it's money that you at least have. You're not betting money you don't have. Right. But my question would be if you, and, whether you have or don't have it, whether you can afford to lose it is right. the question. That's in true. your world. Right. Oh, honey, where's the ten grand that was in savings? Oh, right. well, well, it's no longer in savings. It's at the win. But could that right? Ironically named. Could you um could that push people to then use information and go the old school route? Find a bookie. I have information. I need to get back the money that I gambled legally right. by making a deal with you that is shady at best and downright illegal and prison term eligible at worst. Right. Oh, of course. that that Because that, that's what I could see. Desperate people. It's been said forever. It's a cliche, but it's true. Desperate people do desperate things. Yeah. So my wife is about to find out I lost 10 grand, 50 grand, 100 right. grand. What's my best way to recoup it? I have a little information. I can go to a bookie and try to make that back in illegal gambling. Boom, it's back in the account. No one knows any different. And the, the amount of money when it's Mickelson is not as relevant because... It's percentage of what you're worth. Right. And so... Oh, a billion dollars a lot of, of money. Of course. Right. And <laughs> I don't care who you are. A billion dollars a lot of money. And the, and the thing is, is that Phil basically admitted in his response that everything but the Ryder Cup story was true. The only thing he disputed was the Ryder Cup element. The only thing I could really get in trouble for. Right. That's what... You, I mean, believe me, as an addict, the first thing you do is, what does everybody know? I'll cop to that and I'll hide everything else. Right. And so for Phil... The, the issue is not that I want him to not be able to do what he wants to do. I am a fierce libertarian when it comes to that stuff. I don't ever want somebody to be precluded from drinking because I can't drink. Never going to be my point. You do what you do, Andy. I'll do me. Let's all live together. The issue here is the ease with which you are able to place a bet and the difficulty that exists in preventing sensitive information from escaping a facility and getting into a handicap or getting into someone that will profit off of it. The only reason there are injury reports in the NFL is because of the gambling element. That's always been the case, that if Vegas was finding out about Cole Strange's knee and, you know, some, you know, Russ Hochstein equivalent is going to start at guard, then everybody should know that. And that's why it's been there, to try and even the playing field when it comes to inside information. Mm -hmm. And so what Phil Mickelson brought up for me was that these are not going to be going away. These are going to be multiplying in terms of the story, what they mean. And the NFL, every major sports league, is terrified of it. 
The reason why the Brian Flores Miami Dolphins investigation went nowhere is because what he said was true. The Dolphins were tanking. The only thing they could do is try and they couldn't reshape the words that were used. They just reshaped the intent by saying it was sarcastic. It wasn't meant to be taken literally. So every sports league is going to try and put these under the rug. A lot of the major entities, including all the big networks, are going to do the same because they're profiting a lot off of the relationships between these leagues and the betting companies. And what you're left with is trying to understand where this is going and how bad it's going to get before it gets really bad. And we've already seen NFL multiple issues, scandals. Excuse me, Phil Mickelson. This one that I haven't really even read a lot about is at Iowa State. Oh my where god, they have like the, the whole team. Yeah. And yeah. I don't I mean I haven't done enough research, but you're just gonna have more and more of these. Of course. Like it's everywhere. And then you mix in NIL and college kids with money so that maybe I can fund an account better than I normally would have to then bet people have been betting forever. Like twenty five years ago when I was in college, people had these weird online offshore oh. betting things. Like right. this has been going on forever. But I do think you're pushing – it's it's one thing to say if you're sneaking a drink, but if the drink is readily available to right. you, now how many more am I going to have? Totally. It's kind of right. thing. It's like, it's like you know, going home to an empty fridge or going into a hotel with a mini bar full <laughs> right. of booze. I right. mean, both – you can say no in both cases. One time it's a little easier than the other. What do they say about um, men? Like they're only as faithful as their opportunities or right. something like that? I mean, I think well, that's gambling been, is sort of the same thing. Right. It's humankind. I'm it's, not going to gamble except, wow, it's really easy to gamble. Right. My buddy's gambling. Why wouldn't I gamble? Right. You know, it's, it's the under never falls. Let's go for it. Uh, Lou in Maine uh, talking about the Patriots as uh, we have been most of the morning what's up Lou hey thanks for taking my call sure um the reason I think the Patriots are going to have a successful season this year what's that mean defense successful season what's that well you and I already have a little gamble I think they're going to win the AFC East man Uh, okay (laughs) uh I think I'm going to fly home today what do you think Lou no I don't think you're going to be able to do that oh well I don't know I would say the odds are relatively similar I I mean if he measured his successful season a little different. They're going to win the AFC East. So they're going to jump because they're predicted to finish fourth. So they have to, it's not just that they're going to be good. They have to jump three teams that are perceived to be better than them and ahead of them in the standings. And this defense thing, the defense is going to be the strength of the team. I think we can all accept that. The defensive front is going to be the strength of the team. People are whistling past the graveyard of the cornerback position. They're going to start two corners that have two career starts. That's Jack Jones, and that's if he's available. As right. you said, there's some issues. He's about to get on a plane. Last time he was about to get on a plane, things went bad. Christian Gonzalez, I like him. I love the pick. Did you watch him the other night? Not great. He's chasing. Everybody's like, oh, he forced a fumble. Rewind that like three seconds and see how far behind he was, the guy who caught the ball before he caught up and forced the fumble. So this, like... Do we know that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, they have a litany of elite receivers, and you're putting a rookie and a two-start, questionable character guy out there and say, nope, we're going to be great, nothing to see here, move along, AFC title. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, I guess it could happen. Stranger things have, but I would uh, highly doubt that this Patriots team wins the division. I have them around six wins. We'll get what Andy expects coming up next. And around 11 today, Ken Laird is demanding a full segment on Chris Sale's dynamic return to Fenway Park and the mound last night. We'll get to all that, but first, here's Brian with what's trending. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is Ken and Curtis on WEEI. Save us as a favorite on the Odyssey app. And take Boston Sports Original everywhere you go. Ken and Curtis rolling along here on a Saturday. Hope you're enjoying the gorgeous weather outside. Uh, Red Sox won last night. I believe that makes it three in a row. Uh, they will get back today at 4 o'clock. Brian Bayo on the mound for the Sox. Pre-game show starts at 3.10 with Christian Arcand and should be a gorgeous, gorgeous evening at Fenway Park. So hope you're heading out there or heading to the beach or doing whatever else. Uh, I'm going to get to what Andy Hart's thoughts are prediction-wise coming up shortly here. But first... Boston's biggest headache is on the line, Danny and Quincy. <laughs> Good morning, Danny. How are you? <laughs> no, I, I can't. T- I can't claim that, Curtis. It's, it's the two dinks dishing again this morning, part two. So I can't. I can't overcome that. Anyway, so uh, you know, the words I haven't heard mentioned at all from that preseason game is is Billy O'Brien. Where was the play calling? Where was the imagination? It was basically. Came off from shotgun, which should be outlawed in the NFL, or at least from the Patriots. Wide, rescre- wide receiver left, wide receiver screen right, and there was nothing downfield, no play-action rollout, nothing. In fact, Houston's, Houston's uh, what they called, is what I wanted the Patriots to call. And all of those misdirection, uh, play-action, uh, if you can't do it in, in game one, would that be taking at least half the, half the game away? When can you do it? Danny, did you watch the offensive line on, on Thursday night? Oh, you get, you at least have to try. I'm you asking know you, Brian Danny, didn't I, know that was going to happen. Well, yeah, yes, but, he did. Oh, yeah, the he's been at practice. Then, then, okay, uh, I'm sorry. He knew it was going to happen because he's been at practice, and it's happened every day in practice. Okay, so then, okay, so then, why is Bailey Zappi getting all the grief then? Who's giving Bailey Zappi grief? I haven't heard any. Well, everybody did. It Who's was everybody. Bailey Zappi sucks. Every Bailey Zappi sucks. All I heard Cunningham was the offensive sucks. line sucks. Richie. Malik Cunningham was fun. When have yeah, you heard that Richie, this morning, Richie Danny? Cunningham, yeah, Richie Cunningham is the freaking new quarterback. That you put Cunningham, like, I'm not saying you guys said it per se, but that was the narrative after the game. It was so no call those sucks. people yeah, and yell, yell at those like, people. Well, I don't know why you're yelling at us. Can we, so, in other words, so in other words, so the only play the kid made was when he got in trouble, he rolled out of the pocket, and he threw the pass to Thornton. I didn't even hear he didn't, he didn't get any credit for that at all. I, I, all I heard was Danny, Bailey Zappi Danny, I, I, I hear you. I'm not hanging up on you. I would just say this very simply. You can have that feeling, and I, I'm sure somebody said that. I'm not saying that you're lying. I would just say what we said and what we said after the initial conversation about the offensive line is that sadly yep. it feels like this will be another year where last year it was the coordinators, this year the offensive line has the potential to derail anything this offense might be able okay. to do. All right, so but but correct me if I'm wrong. It was the backup offensive line that was in there, correct? Correct, and what Andy said, sort of. and he's correct, is that tell me the last offensive line that remained true the entire year without any attrition. Where, where no, you're... I agree with that. That's that's we don't know that these these guys these will be the replacements. Well, when the front line, when we get through the Who's the left the tackle season, or the right tackle, the, Danny? At least one of the tackles is going to have to play. Correct. Unless Calvin Anderson comes off right. NFI and wins that job. What, but. What, what, what I was going to... 
what what I was going to say is they're getting the feet wet in the first preseason game. Okay, fine. And, and the front line guys are going to be in there when the regular season starts. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully. If, if hopefully, when the front line guys get hurt, these guys will be ready to come in, and you'll be able to start rotating linemen. And like Belichick has been a very good expert at being able to do throughout his career. So I, I hope, scar. but you can't. Well, you can't try a downfield like a slant. Well, that's not a downfield slant? pass. I, I mean. But they're oh, going to no, – I can tell you, Danny. They're... The word – Andy, the word vertical. Yeah, you can't go vertical, vertical when your line can't block. None of that. You're, you can't go vertical. You, you would be ripping him saying, why are we doing seven-step drop-back deep Andy, passes when you can't block? Like they, it's in the shotgun handoff. Okay. Well, how are you going to establish play action if everything's out of the shotgun? Uh, Danny, I, I, I Danny to... tell me the last offensive coordinator that showed in a play <laughs> that they were planning on using in the regular season in the first preseason <laughs> game. Why are you giving Bill O'Brien a hard time? Yeah, why do you hate? Why do you hate Bill O'Brien? I hate now. I hate Bill O'Brien because he's the guy everyone anointed. He was the one that everybody anointed that was going to come in and save the freaking day. I wanted. If you can't be imaginative a little bit, I can't do it today, Danny. I'm sorry. Appreciate you. I like how he called in to yell at you, yet you were still agreeing. So then he was just trying to find something else to yell at you about. You know what I mean? Like. It's impressive. It really is impressive. Do you remember the last time Josh McDaniels called the flea flicker in week two of the preseason? Weren't those awesome? Right. Those Brady passes where they would throw to Brady? I would see that in the preseason all the time. Can I can I give Belichick credit for something? And this just popped in my head because I thought of that flea flicker. The One of the truly great games of the last, you know, the second half of the Patriots dynasty was the Ravens-Patriots divisional game that led to the Pagano being told about the deflated balls and everything else. The second half of that game, the eligible and eligible rule. They had that from Alabama. They were waiting for a moment to use it, and they wanted to use it in a playoff game after halftime. So they specifically were down two touchdowns to the Ravens in the second half of the divisional playoff game, and they unleashed this thing mm. with Oo Manawa Nui, whatever his name is, going down the field, John Harbaugh losing his mind on the sideline. That's the type of genius that Bill Belichick gets credit for, from my perspective, where that was, we have this ace in the hole. We're not going to give anybody an idea of what we're doing with it until we absolutely need to use it. And in that moment, at that game, at the most important part, they win that game because of it. And then Tom Brady, after the game, says they should read the rule book, which led John Harbaugh to talk to Chuck Pagano that led to the AFC Championship game at Deflategate. Yeah, so... Danny would prefer you show some of that in the preseason right. to entertain Danny wanted, him. Danny wanted that in week two when the Patriots were in, uh, you know, in, in Tennessee for the preseason. And Danny is right in one sense. Like, Billy O'Brien has been sort of anointed the savior, in part because of the juxtaposition to who he's replacing, like the dramatic increase in capability, competency, whatever you want to call it. But it's also accepted he's a pretty good offensive coach. Like, I don't – is there anybody – you don't have to – you can criticize any offensive coordinator. Sean McVay ebbs and flows. Like, all these guys ebb and flow. They're geniuses one year, then they're next. As you might point out, a lot of times it seems to have to do with the quarterback they right. have or and the I'm talent, thinking. right? Right. right. Um, but Billy O'Brien, can we can we just accept that he's been coaching offense for 20 years, basically, at either the high college level or the NFL level, and is good at it? Right. Like, that's just a fact, Danny. You can push back or criticize individual plays. He's a good coach. They're going to be more well-coached this year than they were last year. Right. That's and a it's, fact. It's the same thing we said about 
Mac when he was replacing Cam. It's all about where you enter. Right. So Mac wasn't as good, maybe, as we thought, but he represented the potential of a guy to throw a downfield pass. And I did want to push back just a little bit because everybody has to push back against Belichick. You know, whenever you say something that he did well, it was, well, with Brady, with Brady, with Brady. He found offensive linemen with Brady, but also with Dante Scarnecchia who I think deserves the credit for that, in my opinion, yeah. not Bill. He had the development program. He got Russ Hochstein or Billy Yates or whoever the hell the no-name practice squatter is Or just called ready. Billy Yikes. He did? I think so. <laughs> um, but so Adrian Clem has something to prove here, too. And Adrian Clem is not a proven great offensive line coach. No. He's better than what they had last year. But I actually think he's the guy that's going to face the heat because I think – Clem? The offensive line is going to be the problem, and people are going to point fingers at him because I don't think a lot of people are going to point them at Bill or Billy O'Brien. They're going to they're going to but say. How much Clem can he do really it. do when the offensive line sucks? I like, agree. Just the talent on I the agree. line is horrible. So like, I'm not trying to defend him, but you look at it, it's like you can blame Patricia for it last year, you can blame Clem for it this year, but it's like at the end of the day, if the players suck, it's not really on the coaches. Well, yeah. he, well I mean, Bill Star is- coached up Trent O'Brien, got him to be good. Trent Brown. I mean. Who's Trent O'Brien? Uh, Bill O'Brien's uh, nephew. <laughs> uh, but the the issue here with 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 Thursday night, I I could be wrong. I was high on M and M's in in the suite, but I thought the first play of the game got blown up immediately in the backfield. I think yeah, they know, went Bailey. I think it was a yards. Yeah, I think it was either a running play or I don't remember, but it was some tackle three yards behind the line of scrimmage. And I'm watching that. And I'm like, just get people off this field healthy. That is all you could think about. I was. And they not, did. I don't think anybody. Right. And I wasn't hurt. thinking about making sure they do an oop de oop right to satiate Danny from Quincy's needs for the offense to be explosive. Plus, nobody playing is going to be playing. Right. So even if you are successful in whatever Danny wanted to do, those aren't the guys that are going to be doing it when September gets here. Right. Uh, Mike in Framingham. Good morning, Mike. Hey, uh, Danny was complaining about play action. Uh, you can't do it on a shotgun. Yes, yes, you can. You can do it on a yeah. shotgun. And also, a lot of teams run RPOs. If you're in zone, the linebackers have dual responsibility. If they come up for the run, you throw behind them. They stay back, you run. And if you're playing man, there's no point on doing play action. I mean, that's stuff you learn in Papuana. Right. Yeah. I. I. Um, the issue here is that Danny is a Bailey Zappy over Mac guy. Oh, so, he is? I think so. And so that was uh, what was leading to that desire to defend Bailey Zappi. And yeah, yesterday morning there was uh, some some ripping of, of Zappi done that, you know, Shime was a Zappi guy and he was saying, oh, we'll blame the offensive line. And Greg said, well, you don't give those same excuses to Mac. So everybody's got their own side of the street. But uh, I say 6-11, and 11, not so much that they're just awful. I think that as you alluded to earlier, the Patriots have the worst year to have their toughest schedule in the last 15. And the division, I watched, did you see Hard Knocks? I did not. So Just uh, remembered I don't have HBO. Oh. But uh, I went to watch it. Uh, actually, there's pretty good audio in there. Uh, we can use it next. Uh, the Jeff Ulbrich, is that the defensive yep. coordinator? He had some uh, pretty big shots taken. Uh, I like it. Very thinly veiled at the Patriots and the Bel- Belichick approach. But they look really good. And I know that a lot of teams look pretty good, even though the Lions were kind of a punchline last year, turned out to be okay. I, the Jets, sneaky, sneaky pick for for the uh, for the AFC champion this year. I probably shouldn't admit this. I am rooting for the Jets simply so it tweaks Patriots fans because yeah. they're contempt and they're like mocking. Oh, you'll always be called the Jets, and you'll always be the and Aaron Rod like that attitude. 
just kind of crawls up my bunghole. So I'm sneaky rooting for Aaron Rodgers to be good because they've also packaged him as likable. They're doing a fine job marketing Aaron Rodgers over the last like three or four months. I'm kind of rooting for the Jets. Yeah, I, I, I still can't root for Aaron Rodgers. I just detest him. He's wasted talent, and that bothers me more than anything. What if he wins now, though? So what Two I, Super Bowls? What I believe is going to happen this year is the Jets will have 11 wins in the regular season, maybe win the division, and then something will happen in the playoffs in a game that the Jets are favored to win. Aaron Rodgers will come up small in the biggest moment. Because, I don't know. What if they youth? You see his little, uh, is it Sauce Gardner they do the little weed-smoking yeah. celebration with? I mean. Maybe they've altered the dynamic. Everybody says they're because in Brady going to Tampa, there was obviously a two-way dynamic. Like, he was a different guy there. Right. Like, he brought stability and winning and Brady way and all that, but they changed him in a way. What if Aaron Rodgers brings the skill, but what if they unlock... The like, will. Make him less douchey. Oh. Yeah, I mean... Because like, you... the classic Aaron Rodgers was, we're good, we win 13 games, we host a playoff game, and we lose. Right. right? Like, we fall, we fall short. What if Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson in these sort of young, cocky... New age guys unlock something in Aaron Rodgers. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Well, it, the interesting element of the episode one to me was the the manner in which the defense has been motivated and driven by the acquisition on offense of Aaron Rodgers. That hmm. the Jeff Ulbrich shows this footage of a great throw by Aaron Rodgers. He's like, "That's our quarterback. That 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 just beat you, Sauce." That is going to beat every corner in the NFL. We are going to be in every single game because of Aaron Rodgers. We no longer have Zach Wilson. The opposite of last year, where we literally lost games because of the person taking the snap. And that's what today's NFL is. It's no longer the head coach. It's the quarterback that lifts everybody, even on defense. You know you are in a game. And beyond the record and how it looks, Mac Jones needs to score more than 24 points in a game where the opponent scores more than 24 points and win. Something that he has not done in two years. And what the Patriots had, and we all took for granted for two decades, was that they would be in no matter what the game was like, no matter what the first 58 minutes of the game looked like. You were in it. Mm -hmm. And I I look at that division this year and, and the Jets defense with Quinton Williams and Sauce Gardner and the amount of rookies that the that the Jets have, Garrett Wills, I mean, they are loaded. And I look at the Patriots, and if Bill has the greatest game plan he's ever devised, I don't know if it'll be enough to beat the Jets this year. They're just the, the chasm of talent between the Patriots and the rest of the competitors in the AFC East is just massive. Yeah, did you um, ESPN put out their list yesterday, I believe it was, ranking the talent, 1 to 32, talent groups, position groups. Oh, yeah, I didn't have my insider, so and I couldn't read it the whole time. There's a lot of, I think, tight end, they were 8th. Woo! And then, like, quarterback is 28, 27th, oh. receivers is 28th, running back is, like, 16th, primarily because, yeah, you have one really good one and then nothing. The What about long snapper? I don't think they actually had long snapper rated, unfortunately, or any special teams at, at all, because then they would probably do pretty well. Oh, well, uh, yeah. I listen. It, it could. I could be entirely wrong, but is there a chance that they're viewing this year as a uh, a tank tankathon without like a quiet quit? That th- they I know Bill that, didn't have that in him. I know it's not in his makeup, his blood, his fabric. Give me another explanation as to what they're doing. Well, I'm gonna go back to my question. I don't know because I don't know how you don't have stars and you don't have depth. 
I don't have any idea how you can't have either end of the spectrum. For years, we were sold Patriots are better 1-53. to 53. That's why they win, because their 48th player is better than your 48th player, blah, blah, blah. But that was blah, all blah. a bunch of hogwash, too. Yeah, but they still continue to tell me, Macro said, updated a couple <sighs> weeks ago, we don't collect talent. We're trying to build a team. Okay. F- to which I mockingly am thinking in my head, hey, maybe try the collecting talent thing. It seems to work in other places. Cincinnati, maybe Kansas City. S- maybe stop hiring your buddy's kid trend to run up your entire offense. Or your kid. Right. Look at the roster. It's either people that played for Bill. I mean, the coaching staff. They're either his, his offspring, the offspring of his best friends. Yeah, but we like or- Gerard. Right. But, I mean, I don't know. Troy Brown, Gerard Mayo, Steve Bryan. Matt Grow, I mean, Matt Grow's dad was the defensive coordinator for Bill, right? Yes. Even Adrian Clem played for Bill. Exactly. The whole thing. It's nobody yeah, that... Yeah, but it is how the league works. It's not... This is not a Foxborough problem. Okay. This is but, the NFL but the whole thing that well. you had this great deep roster was stupid. It was when stupid you have then. Tom Brady, it doesn't matter. And you also had elite talent. You had Hall of Fame talent. I mean, was there a... No, there wasn't because Brady was on it. Was there a year that they didn't have two Hall of Famers on of the roster? Because Brady was a given, right? And then yeah, there the was always of all time. Seymour, Gronkowski, Moss. Like there was always, it seemed like Rodney another Harrison, Ty Hall of Fame. Ta- Ty- Maybe I'm setting the number too low. Was there a year they didn't have three Hall of Famers on the roster? Right in the first dynasty. How many Hall of Famers we got now? 2019. Who who other than Brady? I don't know. Brady's finally who's here. on the roster. But the, no Gronk. But, but okay, the, and what happened then? Right, no, that's my point. You lose in the wild card. Right, but they but didn't I mean, win the playoff, but and they the, sucked in the second half of the season. The first dynasty, you had Seymour, Hall of Famer. Law. You have Brady, Hall of Famer. Ty Law, Hall of Famer. Vinatieri, Hall, Hall of Famer. Famer. Bill Belichick, that's five. But we won because the depth of the roster. No, it was <laughs> unbelievable. Anyway, uh, speaking of uh, Bill Belichick, we'll hear a, a shot fired from the uh, the Jets on Hard Knocks coming up next. From the Rubenstein Law Studios, 1-800-BOS-LEGAL. This is WEEI, New England's sports original. We're right back to it. Ken and Curtis on WEEI. It's the mantra of our defense. Make a mother every yard. Do my job. Is that good enough? No. That's the rest of the NFL, isn't it? Do your job. Do your job. that. Do your job. Then now what? If we all do our job in a little bit more... That's 22 playing. That is Jeff Ulbrich, the defensive coordinator for the JETS Jets on Hard Knocks, disputing the do-your-job mantra of the Patriots, saying... That you need to do more than just your job. I don't know. They those two teams are just so obsessed with each other. Yeah, it is a awesome. little much. It's awesome. It is good. You I need guess. these things. You need storylines and rivalries and emotion, and especially if you're going to be a mediocre right. team. And you know why the Patriots uh, personnel director hates them because his daddy got fired by the Jets. Algro, there's a lot of that in sports. Right. Bill hates them because forever ago. Right. Even though Bill was traded by them to the Patriots and everybody ended up winning. Greatest time of his life. Anyway, uh, I can't follow it, but uh, I guess there's no Johnson & Johnson products inside Gillette Stadium. Let's go to, uh, wow, lines are jumping here. Let's go to Justin in New Hampshire. Hey, Justin, how are you? Hey, guys, happy Saturday. Thank you, you too. Listen, I I just, (laughs) 
I'm trying to piece this together, and I'm driving in my car the last two days, and I'm thinking, how sad is it in New England, and how much are we trying to, like, just grab onto something when we're excited about a Malik Cunningham touchdown? That's how bad this team is, and I don't, I, I don't just expect this to be Belichick's last dance. Andy, I know you spend a lot of time around the team, and, yeah, do I think it'll get fired? Probably not. But there's no way his model works anymore. It's not going to dig him out of this. He's not going to coach his way to the playoffs. There's just no way. And I also don't expect Mac Jones to be there much more than a year. It's, it, they are awful. The offensive line is awful. They're, I don't even think they're above 500, and I think it's Belichick's last year. All right. Well, I, I don't think it's crazy, and we use logic when we discuss things that have yet to occur because we're not yet emotionally hijacked by what that outcome feels like. And so, in a vacuum, discussing the demise of a guy that's won six Super Bowls seems laughably off-base. And you might be right. However, go back to when the Patriots lost to the Ravens last year and the game that Mac Jones got hurt in to fall one and two. A game that they were up, they had come back, they did the great uh, pre-half, post-half bookend score like the old Patriots teams did, and then in a drive that they needed to have at every time, Lamar Jackson just boop, boop, down the field, bad interception by Mac in the red zone, the rest is history. Then they lose in overtime in Green Bay to go to one and three. In those moments, people here were not rational. You fire, you, you, you react violently with an irrational thought because you're so overcome by the anger or frustration of whatever it is mm-hmm. you're dealing with. And if this team is 0-4 or 1-5 or 2-6, whatever, the reservoir of goodwill will dry up incredibly quickly, especially Andy Hart when we don't know the direction they're headed in anyway. Well, I would also argue, is it incredibly quickly if it's been three and a half years? No, fair point. It's all built up. That's correct. Like, remember the great Ted Sarandis? He had that theory that if you won something, you get like five years. You pop the DVD in. If you get angry, just go watch the highlights of the last championship. Well, we're getting closer to the five-year DVD window coming to an end. It's even Robert Kraft. Remember when he was surprised when... Burt Breer, maybe, asked him about two losing seasons in the last three years. He's like, wait, wait, one. Right. <laughs> and they're like, no, two. And he's like, oh, yeah, two. Right. Um, that's that's a long time in the NFL. And I know he's different because he's Bill. But around here, we lived through Tom. So is it any more unfathomable to think Bill could go than Tom? No. That's so what, you already saw one. Right. That's what I said to Matt Light when he like, was on with the Greg Hill Show on Thursday. I said... You know, when he had, because Greg it, told him, Matt, that I thought that Bill would be out if they go 6-11 and 11 or worse. And Matt laughed it off and said, you know, who the hell would do that? And I said, well, did you think that they would do that with right. Tom Brady? And he said, no, it's a fair point. Exactly. And we've already lived it. And right. even the Crafts have already lived that, right? Like, they sort of, I remember when they opened Gillette Stadium, they had a Revs game first, and they called it a soft opening of Gillette Stadium because they right. knew there's less people, it's easier, this will kind of... Well, you've had a soft removal of a goat. You got rid of one of the goats. Why is the other one any more difficult to get rid of? Because he's chasing some meaningless record? Right. Stupid. Nobody cares about it. The records that Tom Brady got when he was in Tampa have more meaning in the NFL in terms of player total touchdown passes than the winningest NFL coach. But even those have no meaning. All that has meaning is the Super Bowl and the rings. That's what you're going to remember. That's why everybody gets all high and mighty that Brady's got one more. It's not about he set a record, he played X number of years. It's about he got a ring without Bill. And when they retire, 7-6, to six, assuming nothing changes between now and then, and no one's going to think more or less of Bill about the record, right? 
Uh, is there anybody that's going to say, oh, he came up four games shy of Shula, or, oh, man, he beat Shula by four games. He's even better than I thought he was. Right. I don't think, I mean, you people call me a Belichick hater. I think that's a little much, but I would never say that Don Shula is a better head coach than Bill Belichick. No. So, I mean, he had Dan Marino and never won. Does anybody ever bring up Shula as no. the greatest coach? I mean, unless you're, you know, in Boca. I don't right, maybe it. there. But right. everybody says Belichick. Some people say Paul Brown Actually, or Vince Lombardi. Actually, most people in Miami are New Yorker Patriots fans anyway. So. so, the record is meaningless. Right. Right there it proves to you because no one says Shula is the greatest coach of all time. No one. All right. Let's go to uh, Steve before we get to the top of the hour. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind? Uh, hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm just wondering what you guys think about a Tom Brady-led team, even the great ones, against the current level of the AFC East. Like, how well would they have done against that level of competition? So here's what I would... would, would uh, it's a good question. It is a good question, but early on, the Dolphins, like, 3 the 80-yard bomb to Troy Brown in the mm-hmm. week six or something of that season. The Dolphins, I think, were 4-1, and 5-1 and one at that point. The Dolphins were a good team. They're yeah. not as good. I mean, they're better than this Dolphins team. The Bills, yeah. Jets, yeah. I think Tom Brady, 2014 Tom Brady, goes 4-2 and two in the division. Yeah, I think they'd be fine, but it's a good question because for all we heard for years was, well, you play in the East, it's a layup, you start the year with five or six wins. Who's the second best quarterback in the division? Aaron Rodgers. Who's the third best? Josh Allen. Like, you have MVP caliber quarterbacks. That you- Do I think the great Patriots team would beat those teams? Yes. Would they have to work a lot harder? Yes. Would they not sweep and, like, they wouldn't own the Bills the way they own the Bills for whatever it was, like 18 in a row or some right. stupid number? But it's a, it's a fun question. It would be Awesome. I mean, it's a dumb hypothetical because Brady is now a soccer. What does he even do? I don't, I don't even know. He that. gets his face done. He looks great. But uh, the the uh, the the thing that would most be most punitive. Brady Rogers twice a year. <laughs> like, oh my god! Imagine that's a divisional game. Somebody, somebody at CBS. Allen Rogers, a like Brady. By the way, all time record against the Bills, thirty three and three. Yeah. yeah, and one of those was a loss that they handed to them because Castle came in in the second half of games that he's completed against the Bills. He's thirty three and two. Right. Thirty five games against an NFL team. He's thirty three and two. He would not be that dominant if Josh Allen were the quarterback that time. It just, uh, the, I feel so badly for my son because he is just going to be inundated with these absolutely asinine stats for the rest of his life. But they have to be taught. It's like American history. The, the, if the will, internet didn't exist, would he believe him? I, I don't know. I mean, if he doesn't, well, he, then he's out of the house. Your son is going to be like we look at Cowboys fans, right? right? Like he's living on. History. It's like I grew up as a Celtics fan. He knows that they were once great, but right. he has not actually witnessed the greatness. And it's kind of sad. It's when you buy the old jerseys. It's what right. I always talk about the Bears. Like you see Bears games and there's Mike Singletary jerseys everywhere. Right. Peyton jerseys everywhere. Walter Payton. That's where the Patriots are. I still going. see Gail Sayers jerseys yeah. when right. I go to Bears games. But the um our boss is a Bears fan, so go Bears. Um but the the most punitive element of today's NFL would not be this AFC East. It's the single buy. Because mm-hmm. the Patriots' 2018 Super Bowl is not possible without that gag job at the end of the year. The Eagles beat somebody to give the Patriots the bye. Um, maybe it was the Chargers. I don't remember. But the the Patriots never won a Super Bowl, famously, without a bye. Tom did with the Bucks, but it was a pandemic season. The road games weren't really real. So the the division being what it is, the AFC today, I think, would have definitely cost Tom a couple Super Bowls with the Patriots. The, just the depth of quarterback play within the conference is yes. so much deeper. I mean, Burrow, Mahomes, Allen, Rodgers, 
you know, uh, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's absurd. I mean, how many times did the Patriots, en route to a championship, go through Alex Smith, Tim Tebow? I mean... Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub? Was he? Houston. I thought that was Alex Smith with Houston. Oh. No, Alex Smith was Kansas, Kansas City. City. Matt Schaub was the Houston quarterback. Oh, okay. Um, I don't Blake Bortles? Blake Bortles. I mean, the... the, the yeah, it's a little different. Mariota. Now. Right. Just, Makes you feel worse and worse for Mac. Yeah. Even though I don't love Mac... He has a crappy offensive line. He had a crappy coordinator for a year. The competition is just stupid. Right. Like, he's fine. If he had been the – if Mac Jones, these quarterbacks we're talking about, had been in Miami or Buffalo or one of those places, he probably would have been the best quarterback not named Brady in the AFC East for a period of time, right? Yes. But now he comes along and he's, he can't – can't even come close to measuring up. Timing is everything, Andy. And because timing is everything and we haven't had a lot of positivity, let's go to John in Maine before the top of the hour. Hey, John. How's it going, guys? Good. How are you? So I, Good. I was I was excited about Malik Cunningham, but not necessarily the touchdown. It was the toughness he showed when he had his helmet, like, ripped off his head, and his head was, like, twisted completely sideways. And he had some athleticism and the mobility – in the pocket, you know, all those things we're not used to seeing as Patriots fans. So why wouldn't you be excited about something like that? That might be an extra tool that Belichick can put in the tool bag, you know? Yeah. Well, as a tool in a tool bag, I would say that the first thing I thought of, and this is not just to impress Andy Gresh was Malik Cunningham. If nothing else will be a grout, great scout team quarterback who plays in a way that the Patriots have had a very tough time defending. Yes, and guys, they need to prepare for this year. But from the caller's perspective, you can be excited about it. I was excited about it. It was the only thing in that game that was exciting and fun. Right. Thank I thanked him on Twitter because that, that night was one of the worst nights I've ever sat in those seats. It was awful. For me, it was the M&Ms in the suite. I hadn't had them in a while, wow. and boy, they you hit well. keep going back to the M&Ms. They really left a mark with <laughs> Oh, you. my God. I don't know the last time I had M&Ms. It was phenomenal. But to the caller's point, like, do you think he's a quarterback? Because I think the Patriots think, like you, that he has toughness and athleticism and can make things happen with the ball in his hands. That's why up until three days ago, he had only practiced basically at wide receiver. They're looking to get him in an in a Julian Edelman role or whatever. Take advantage of his strengths. Because I can't imagine anybody watched that and said he's a quarterback. Right. Do you believe... Right now, it was right. a nice thing to see on a night where there was nothing else to talk about. So happy for him. But I, I would... will say he's Mac Jones's worst nightmare. Yeah, I read your And column. I wrote that like, I mean... Do you disagree? No. I don't know that he's ever going to be anything serious, but just when he finally puts Zappy to bed, right, puts the final nail, everybody accepts Mac is the quarterback. Right. The Zappy fever has been inoculated. Now this other guy pops up, yep. Malik Mania, and suddenly we're going to have fans cheering. I got the tweets. People are already excited about him, think he can play quarterback, think it's the new league and you need this kind of weapon out there. And Mac must just, like, roll his eyes and be like, "What? can I just have five minutes to be the quarterback? <laughs> well, what about this? I finally put Bailey Zappi to bed. I've taken over the team. It's my team. I've had a decent start to training camp. And you know what I'm building towards? Week one where they celebrate the guy that's shadow I'll never escape. That's a great point. He has to deal with the last guy and the next guy. Can't I just be the guy for five minutes? Amen. Well, speaking of someone that's probably going to be the guy for five minutes, it's Chris Sale. And we'll talk about his return last night next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one. They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.